0: <laughs> it is good to be in the house of the lord <clears throat> and um it's and um can you all hear me all right good um <clears throat> thanks Lisa for reading um that Bible verse um And that is where we're gonna be starting today, um, is looking at the Bible verse, um, which is found in Judges 17, verses six. Now, our title for the sermon today um, came from that verse, and the latter part of that verse, which is um, every man, did that which was right in their own eyes now this verse actually, if you um, pay attention to the book of judges, you will realize that it came up over and over again in the book of judges, and like most Bible verses that are that are popular or common or that we see frequently in the in, in the Bible, um, we have a tendency to actually just. Glaze over it without paying too much attention to it, and so before we jump into our sermon today, I just wanted to point out some couple of things um, in these verses, in this verse that we are that that brings us uh, tie to um, our sermon today. Now, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Now, if we Quickly look over that and not pay attention to that. We might be deceived. Um, Jeremiah 17 verse nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. Now, the deception in this verse is that a conclusion was made that there is no what king in Israel. Now, is that true? No. Because just like Israel, Paul's valley, we might be looking around and say, well, there is no pastor or there's no priest in Paul's valley. But we do have a high priest, don't we? And um, if we fail to recognize the king in our life, or the pastor in our life, or the high priest in our life, we can also fall into the same pitfall as Israel of old. So, now, today we're going to be looking at the short-term effect of this verse. But if you can turn with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse nine, uh, verse six and seven. Verse Samuel. Eight. Verse. Seven. And uh, here, Samuel eight seven. Well, let's start from verse six, and we're going to look at something that is unique. Now, this is the long-term effect of the idea that is being that we find here in um, in Jergis 17, verse six. The long effect was that Israel eventually came up and requested for a king. And pay attention to what happened. So, now, they approached Samuel, and they said, Give us a king. And when they did that, we pick up in verse 6, and he says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and get pay attention to what the Lord says. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hacking unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. Now here's the kicker. For they have not rejected thee. Meaning they have not rejected Samuel. But who had they rejected? They have rejected God. That I should not reign over them. Now this is The beginning of the fruit. This is the seed, and now we're looking at the fruit. Now, let us pay attention to, you know, what we're going to be looking at today. So before we jump into the sermon, um, I would like for you to do several things for me today. Um, First of one is to continue to pray for me as I um, as we go along in this Bible sermon. And then the next thing is to bring your critical critical mind, your analytical mind. And we're gonna be going through a story that when you go through it, it's mind boggling. And um, you will see how the short term effect of this verse on the people of Israel. So let us, pr- let us bow our head as we pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and for your kindness and Lord as we have always done we ask that you create in us a clean heart and pour out your Holy Spirit into this clean heart Lord we pray that all distractions will be put at bay that we might behold you O Lord with our inner eye and that Christ might be laid out and that we might be drawn to him. Lord, I pray that you will hide me, that I might not speak idle words. And Lord, the ears that will be receiving those words, Lord, I pray that you will make it a fertile ground and that this word might yield fruit. Lord, we ask for all these blessings because thou has promised them to us. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> so if you could turn with me in your Bible to Judges chapter 19. And we're going to be picking up We'll be picking up in verse 1. And in verse 1 again, we see that phrase come up. And if you can go with me. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel that there was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of Mount Ephraim who took to him who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem. And his concubine played the whore against him and went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four months. And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her and to bring her again, having his servant with him and a couple of asses and she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. <clears throat> I continue. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father retained him and he abode with him three days. So, so they did eat and drink and lodge there. And it came to pass on the fourth day, when they arose early in the morning, that he rose up to depart. And the damsel father said unto his son-in-law, comfort thy heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. And they sat down and did eat and drink both of them together. For the damsel's father had said unto the man, be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night, and let thine heart be merry. And when the man rose up to depart, his father-in-law urged him. Therefore, he lodged there again. And he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, "Comfort thy heart, I pray thee." And they tarried until afternoon. And they did both eat of, and they did eat both of them. And when the man arose up to depart. And his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said unto him, "Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you, tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here that thine heart may be married, and tomorrow get you early on your way that thou mayest go home." Now, as we look at this story or this event being played out in our, in our eyes, we see how a young man is you know, going about his business. And, and one thing comes out, it jumps out at us as we go through this story, is the action of this young man in regards to reality. Now, verse 10 goes on to say, But the man would not tarry that night. But he rose up and departed and came over against Jebus, where is Jerusalem. And there were with his two asses Sadu, his concubine also was with him. And when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent. And the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee. And let us turn into this city of Jebusite, and lodge in it. His master replied and said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into this city of stranger, that is not of the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. Now, the decision that this Levite made put them in a position where. One, they cannot make it home that night. And now they are about to, um, they're at the mercy of strangers or whoever they can come into contact with. Now, here is the beginning of the understanding of doing what is right in your own eyes. If this young man has decided to stay overnight at his father-in-law's place, they would not be in the position that they are right now. So let's keep going and we'll see what happens next. Verse 14, And they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belonged to Benjamin. And they turned aside to their to go in and to lodge in Gibir, And when he went in, he sat his, him down in a street of the city. For there was no man that took them in to his house to lodge. And behold, there came an old man from his work out of the field at Even, which was also Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibir, But the men of the place were Benjamite. So there was this old man that is not... There's a stranger in, Benjamite, in, ben, in in the Benjamite territory that saw this Levite. And because they share some similar, um, similar interests, and maybe also because they were from the same place, they connected. But more so, I think this older man was a man of God. Because obviously everybody in this city saw them there, but, and obviously they asked a lot of people to have, you know, for lodging, and they refused. So for this man, old man, to actually come forward and, you know, saw them without them asking him, shows a level of, you know, hospitality from his side. Um, Continue in verse, verse, Verse 17, and when he has lifted up his high, he saw a wayfarer man in the street of the city. And the old man said, we did goest thou, and whence cometh thou? And he said unto him, we are passing from Bethlehem towards the side of Mount Ephraim, from thence am, am I. And, went, and I went to Benjamin, Bethlehem, Judah, but I am now going to the house of the Lord, and there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is boat, straw, and provender for our asses, and there is bread and wine also for me. For thy handmaid, and for thy young man, which is with, my, with thy servant, there is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever let all thy want lie upon me? Only lodge not in the street. So this old man extended the hands of hospitality to this young man and offered him a place to stay. Now the story, the event that we're looking at, is going to kick up and the speed goes start going faster and faster as we go through this story. Um, and um, and you know, uh, bear with me. <clears throat> So, verse 21, So he brought him into his house and gave providence unto the asses, and they washed their feet and did eat and drink. Now, as they were making their heart merry, behold, the men of the city, certain son of Beliers, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into thy house. That we may know him. Let me pause here. Now, as we read that, what pops to your mind? For me, as I was reading this, maybe a little bit over 13 years ago, the first time that I became aware of this was wow, this is, this cannot be happening in Israel. This reminds me of an experience that happened to Lot. Now, the parallels are so vivid because when we keep reading, we'll see and we'll start comparing that this happened exactly to Lot. Now, so verse... um, I'll pick up back again at uh, verse 23. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not do so wickedly, seeing that this man is come into my house. Do not this fully. Do not this fully, he said. So now, this man, just like Lot, went out and said, hey, this is foolishness. Please don't do this. Now, in the east, eastern part of the world, the rule of hospitality is very, very held high in the society. And so, he went out and said, please don't do this. Picking up in verse 24, behold, here is my daughter a maiden and his concubine, them I will bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you, but unto this man do you know do not do not so vow a thing a thing. Now I want us to pause and take a, a, a just take a uh, what was the inventory of what was said here. So this old man came out and said Please don't do this to this stranger. Um, Here is my daughter, and here is his concubine. Please, whatever you're planning to do to him, please do this to this woman. Now, when we closely settle down and examine what was said, we'll realize that how horrible what was being spoken here is. And the nature, uh, and we also, and that's the one thing about Bible, uh, the Bible historian is that they did not shy away from reporting what really happened. Now, in Israel, which is considered the state and the nation of God, something as horrible as this should not be happening. Not should be coming out of the mount of the people of God. It shows the the status of women in that culture and society. Now, the Bible speaks and reports this, but the Bible does not endorse what is going on here. So, let's move on. Verse 25, But the man would not hack to him. So the man took his concubine, and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Now, it is one thing to say or to entertain an evil thought, an evil idea. It's another thing to follow through. Now, this Levite followed through. He placed his own personal safety over the safety of his wife or this concubine. And God did not overlook what happened, because as we are gonna find out later, He reaped what he sowed. Now, if we can go back to the part, the early stage of this story, we realize that the Bible reported that this woman, this concubine, played the whore against his husband. And that's why she left. Now, this Levite, condone something that was not appropriate and as a Christian when we condone evil, that same evil has a way of coming back to bite us. Um, Often when we allow evil in our life, the punishment that follows is actually always in regards to the evil that we have committed. So you see how this sin that is in the room in their life is actually coming back and they're being judged by it. The woman played the war with his husband. The husband did not put place her in a position of honor. And And we see how this, as a Christian, when we do not work in the work, I mean, when we fail to follow our masters, and when we decide to start doing things that are right in our own eyes, we have, we are gonna repeat what is going on. Um, The Inspire page of, um, LNGY's Inspire uh, page, um, if I can move on to that, warns us about this prospect. Um, And I'm going to paraphrase the statement of EGY. And it goes like this. If we fail to remember how far the Lord has led us, we are destined to repeat all the failures that has been in the past. And we are looking at this story not just for anything but to encourage us to stay in the channels where God wants us to to be. Um, As the spiritual Israel of today, we are challenged, we are admonished to read the Bible and keep those words in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. Now, this idea that we've been talking about, the idea that there's no king in Israel, In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everybody did which was right in their own eyes. Places us in a very dangerous position if we fail to understand what is going on. So as we look through this story, let us keep that in the back of our mind as we continue to read. Uh, Picking up in verse... (coughs) Excuse me picking up in verse 26 then the man took his concubine and this is and he was willing to expose her rather than the daughter of his host so one of the another attribute of this man was you know the host actually offered His daughter. But this Levite was willing because he was fearful that, you know, he doesn't want, this guy has given me a place to sleep. And he doesn't want to expose the daughter of the host to what is going on. Offered his concubine. Which is an attribute that we can say, well, this is a good thing. Well, verse 26. Then came the woman. I'm going to pause right there. Then came the woman. It will be scarcely, it will be scarcely possible, impossible or possible, because you don't want to put two negative together. It will be scarcely possible to enhance the depth of pathos and of horror which the sacred writer throws into this simple word. Then came the woman. Verse 27. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the door of the house and went out of his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was falling down at the door of the house and her hand were upon the threshold. This, this verse shows The spirit that was behind the Levi, he was ready to be out of this place. I mean, you can't blame him for wanting to be out of this place. And verse 28 continues And he said unto her, Up and let us be gone, going. But none answered. Then the man took her up upon an ass, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. And when he was gone, and when he was come into his house, he took a knife and laid hold of his concubine and divided her together with her bones into 12 pieces, and sent her into all the coast of Israel. And it was so that all that saw it said, there was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel Came out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider it, take advice, and speak your mind. Now, this verse, the last verse, which is verse 30, shows that the Levite has successfully gauged. The depth of moral indignation that still lays in the heart of his countrymen. The story of the deed thrilled all Palestine and awoke a determined desire for retribution upon the guilty inhabitant of Gibeah. Excuse me, and it was justly stopped. The act was meant to arouse passion. Now, and that was justly aroused because everybody that saw the pieces of this lady were were emotionally aroused. This cannot happen in Israel, they said. So, what was their response? Well, let's continue. And we're now in chapter 20, Joshua, Judges t- chapter 20, um, starting in verse 1. Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together as one man, from Dan, even to Bathsheba, with the land of Gilead, Gilead unto the Lord in mispay. And the chief of all the people, even of all the tribe of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. Four hundred thousand footmen that drew sword. So, what is the effect of dividing this concubine into twelve pieces? The effect was four hundred thousand men showed up. With what kind of emotion? Anger, frustration. And so let's continue what happened. <clears throat> Verse three. Now the children of Benjamin. Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone up to mispay, then said the children of Israel, tell us. Now, this is a refri- They're referring, they're talking to the Levite, the host, and the servant of the Levite. They said, tell us, how was this wickedness? And then the Levite, together with the host and the servant, related what we have just read. What has just happened. They related everything. Picking up in verse... Verse 7... Behold ye, and this is the um, the Levite talking to the host of Israel. Behold, ye are children of Israel. Give here your advice and counsel. And all the people arose as one man, saying, We will what? We will not, any of us, go to his tent. Neither will we any of us turn aside into his house. Now this sounds like a pledge. Like a vow. They vowed in anger and in frustration that they are not going to go home until this injustice is taken care of. Now I admire them for this. I admired him for this. And if, if this is where, you know, if, 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 if things start working out and they were not doing things in their own eyes, this is something to emulate. As Paul's Biley, as I'm talking to you today, we are to eschew, 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 right? Eschew evil. Right? we are too. And this is something to admire and to copy. But let's keep going. Because things got a little bit interesting, didn't it? So, but now, this shall be the things we, I'm going to emphasize that, but now, this shall be the thing which we will do to Gibeah, we will go up by lot against it. Now everything still sounds good to this point, right? But there it's there's a play of word that we're seeing between we will do instead of God would do. Right? And that's where we need to start paying attention. We need to be able to separate what we can do as a people and what God can do to us. Paul's Valley, there's a lot of things that God can do to us. If we allow him to be the king of our life, if we allow him to be our shepherd, there's a lot of things that he can do to us. Just like David, we can run ahead of God. If you've ever looked at the story of David when he had Rehsever, and Solomon came to Rehsever, right? If they, obviously there's something that he's, God would have done if he had waited. Right? Because through the line of Solomon, through the line of David, came Jesus. So, Paul's valley, there's something that God can do to us if we allow him to. So let's keep reading. Um, verse, where was we? Verse what? <laughs> All right. So verse ten, right? And we will take ten thousands, ten men of an hundred throughout the tribe of Israel, and hundred of thousand and a thousand out of ten thousand. What the idea that is trying? they're trying to portray here is that ten percent ten percent of the men we will take so let's continue. Ten percent of the men we will take um, and a thousand well I've read that. When they come to Gibeah of Benjamin according to all the fully that they have wrought in Israel so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city need together as what? As one. As one. Here's a comment here. <clears throat> it would be great if we can unite in one accord. For the just cause of God, we can shake this city if we unite as one. Now, unity is not based on uniformity, even though at times it might look like that. Our unity is based on what the Holy Spirit. So, verse eleven. So, all the men of Israel were gathered against the city knit together as one and the tribe of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin saying what wickedness is this that is done among you Bible commentary um, let me read some Bible commentary on this um, verse it says it says the tribe of Israel sent men. Before they marched forward, they sent an embassy to the Benjamite to complain of the wickedness that has been committed and the injury that has been done by some of the men of their tribe and to demand that the offender might be delivered unto justice. This was a wise and just course. That the innocent might be separated from the guilty. A fear. Hmm. I'm having some technical problems, but here's. The. This was a wise course that the innocent might be separated from the guilty, a fear opportunity given to them. of preventing their own sin. So Israelite, at least the ten tribes that were left, were giving them the opportunity to separate themselves from the people, the the offenders. Now what was the Benjamin's reaction? Let's keep reading. But the children of Benjamin would not hack into the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. So, by refusing to give up the the offender, Benjamite sealed their fate. They sealed their fate by refusing to give up this offender verse 13 now therefore deliver us the men the children of Beliah which are in Gibeah that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel but the children of Benjamin would not hack into the voice of their brethren and the children of Israel but the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the city unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel now if we quickly gloss through this, we might we might fail to see some unspoken agitations. When Israel sent out the messenger, they said, "How can this be? How can this happen in our nation?" Now, the spirit behind that is not a spirit of humility. It's not a spirit that woos the offender, the sinner to Christ. It is, it's a spirit of agitation. Just like what the Levite did, when he cut those pieces, 12 pieces and sent it out, he knew exactly what emotion that he was gonna elicit right? And the emotion that he wanted to elicit was anger. And Israel got that emotion. The anger emotion. And when they send out those ambassadors, even though in our eyes, it is just, it is right, but the motivation behind it is wrong. So instead of Benjamin responding in a way that is true and just, they also seal their fate by refusing to give up the offenders. So we have two people that are not, that are doing things, what? According, things that are good according to their own eyes. So verse Verse 14, well, we've been down to verse 14. So let's go to verse 15. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the city twenty and six thousand men that drew sword beside the inhabitant of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. So total 26,000. 700 men of Benjamin gathered together and this is the fully, the foolishness of sin right foolishness of sin is for a 26,700 men to think they can take on 400,000 men it would behoove of us we can learn from this because if you think you can take on the devil you are in for a big surprise we cannot take on devil in our life the giants in our life we cannot take it on except we take on the power of Christ now on the flip side to that Israel is looking at this snow numbers and saying, we are 400,000 men. We can take this, this 26,700 stupid people on. And are they in for a big surprise? They are in for a big surprise. Because like this outnumbered foe, um, like this outnumbered enemy, They are not going in the power of Christ. So we continue in verse 17. And the men of Israel beside Benjamin were, what, numbered 400,000 men that drew sword. All these men were men of war. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked God, and asked counsel of God, and said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Paul's Valley. Do you, are you aware that the heart? is deceitful above all. And it's desperately wicked. Let me let that thing. The heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all. There are times that we might think that we are seeking God's face. That we are not truly seeking God's face. Because were deceived by a wicked heart so the question that was asked here and one might ask is they did ask god right They did ask God for direction. But are they truly seeking God's decision for them? Now, here's the deal. We all say this. God knows everything. Right? And God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen in the next two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. When those things happen, especially when we make decisions and we have a choice to make, does God cause those things to happen? No. So when God says, Judah must go first, God was actually answering that question that they asked him. Who must go first? But the right question to ask is, Lord, should we go against them in battle? Would you be our leader to go for it before us? Would you give us victory in this battle? Yeah. And they failed to answer that, ask that question. But more so, here is the deal. More so is the idea that if we regard iniquity in our heart, our prayers, not be answered. So here we are now, Israel is asking a question that is really important. And as Israel of old, and like Israel of today, we can fail to actually ask God's, we we can fail to ask the right question and seek truly the face of God. And that can I mean that can spell doom for us spiritually and physically. So, let's move on. And the men of Israel, um, let me start relying on my PowerPoint because I'm actually ignoring it. So, um, so. And so we are in verse 8, actually, verse 20. So the men of Israel went out to war, and we know what happened after that. In two days, 40,000 men died. 40,000 men died. That's an average of 20 in a day. If you calculate that, that means that the 26,700 men killed an average of two men that day in a day. Well, I'll take that back. They killed an average of one man per day. (laughs) Yeah. And that is what could happen if we go to war without our shield, without the protection of God. And we can deceive ourselves to think that we are doing God's work. In that same Jeremiah that we're, the famous Jeremiah that we were talking about, it says, curse be the man that trusted in, in man and makes, uh, makes, makes flesh, yeah, makes arm of flesh, makes arm the flesh of the all right. I'm closing that in the wrong way, but here's the deal. The idea is we should not trust in men. Israelite looked around and said, We are we have the number. We have the number. We have the message. We can prove through the Bible that we are the chosen people. We worship on Saturday. Yeah. We have all these good messages. But if we fail to go in the name of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are open to the attack of the devil. So Paul, today, let us take heed and learn from history. Um, Verse, and that just takes us all the way to verse 28, because I just summarized that. And I wanted to quickly... um, come to the end of this sermon and let me quickly summarize there, the victory that came after this didn't come as a fluke it was a decision made by the Israelites to go back and re-evaluate re-examine their action you know Prior to this story, the, 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 the tribe of Dain, um, Dan, they committed a sinful act. They decided to raise up and make a national, I mean, they make up their own God. They, and they watched it, everybody in Israel saw that. Now, there was no one single outrage. Like our lesson this morning, we talked about judgment and having a good judgment. The tribe of Dan um, Dan were among those people that rose up and said, we are not going to go to our own tent until this atrocity has been punished. Nobody in Israel said, hold up, you guys or a nation. But they were ready and quick to want to go out to war against the Benjamites. When they finally came to their senses and they started looking at their life and putting aside sins in their life with bitter confession and contrition of heart when they put sin to the side they were able to find favor in, in the eyes of God and for you and I today that is the only way that we can find favor in the eyes of God is when we as a church put aside put aside sin and this starts individually it starts individually And when one person does this, and everybody catches that fire, which is the fire of the Holy Spirit, we can all come together and become a front that is united. Now here's the united again. We can be united under the banner of the Holy Spirit. And go out and preach that message that we've been talking about So let me quickly summarize, and this is my appeal, my appeal and my summary, is that when we put God, when Jesus is at the throne of our heart, when he is enthroned, when he has ascended the throne of our heart, it is likely and we are able to do what he wills in us. Obedience becomes easy. We are victorious in our struggles. And unlike Israel of old, we have history and the Bible to help us, to guide us in what we need to do. Let us not be a stumbling block in our brethren's life. If we want mercy, if we demand mercy, if we want mercy and grace from Christ, we must, we must show it, mercy. If this is your desire today, to get mercy from God and also to show mercy to other people, will you please stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and for your kindness. We ask, Lord, that you will help us to be a faithful servant, one who is not one who is humble and patient with his brethren, one who is not slothful. Lord, when we started this sermon, we asked that you were create in us a clean heart. And it's still our desire today that you would create in us a clean heart, Lord, and that you would renew your right spirit within us. Lord, help us, we pray. And Lord, we look forward to a day and a time where we can spend this beautiful time with you. Help us not to be selfish. And help us that our love will not grow cold for out of impatience or for the fact that we have totally separated ourselves from the dying world because we don't care. Let these two things not be our portion, Lord. But that you will give us a true love for the lust that will be balanced in His approach. Help us, Lord, to see Christ crucified so that He can prevent us from sinning and also save us from sin. Here's our desire, O Lord. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.